The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Jerry Agar is here, and he's yours from 10 to noon every Monday to Friday. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two premiers. Scott Reed, CTV political commentator and former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Good to have you all. Let's start with uh, the money item, and that would be now we're at $380 million for FIFA. Uh, one of the reasons it's gone up, apparently, is inflation. The other is we planned for five games. We're going to end up with six. If memory serves, Jerry, you were never a fan to begin with. Nope. Um, how much did we have to bribe uh, Taylor Swift to put on six concerts here in Toronto? Zero. How about the WWE or uh, any of these other big concerts and organizations that come and uh, bring an audience and bring economic development to the city? FIFA is a corrupt organization. I would like to know. Actually, I'll ask uh, Bob Richardson because he's involved in this. He'll be joining me at 11 o'clock. How much do we have to bribe the officials to get this stuff? Uh, Deb Hutton, your thoughts? Well, John, you and I did this as a topic on our Monday segment, Getting It Right, a long time ago. And I said... Olivia Chow could be amazing for a lot of people if she brought this thing in on whatever the new budget is. And my recommendation to her, which stands today, is get somebody from the private sector who understands government and is supportive of this to put their arms around it, be the whatever you want to call it, the FIFA czar, and not only stay on budget and on time, but bring in private sector dollars get sponsorships. We're already into this. I I understand Jerry's point fully, but we're into this. And this notion that, well, the way the city will deal with it is to ask another layer of government to pay for it just means we're all on the hook. Doesn't matter which pocket it comes out of. Private sector involvement and a single individual, a John Tory-esque person, maybe John Tory, I don't care who it is, whose sole responsibility is keeping their thumb on any additional costs. Scott Reed, the estimate is that it'll bring in as much as we spend on it, except, of course, it's we're still out of pocket at the city of Toronto. But it's kind of like an Italian wedding. I guess... It's kind of like an Italian wedding. What, like you Luke throw Rizzi the party sitting in the corner, going, uh, "I want to thank you for no. having me here on the day of your daughter's wedding." Everybody no. in an Italian Look, wedding is expected expected to pay their I'm share of the freight. The right? older ladies bring their tinfoil and take the food home. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah, I guess I'm an older lady. Uh, yeah, but they get the bombonieri. <laughs> breaking, breaking news here for you. It's not going to stop at 380. It's going to rise again. It isn't just inflation and the fact that we have an extra game. It's that these things, and to Jerry's point, these things particularly FIFA, always swell. Uh, the costs always swell. And bringing in a private sector czar, I'm sorry, but that isn't going to help either because FIFA has such strong and strict rules with respect to partnerships and sponsorships. All that stuff is regulated at the meta level. And so I, I, it is what it is, man. But it's not a great look for the city. And this was par- like literally part and parcel of saying we're going to go in for this is that you would not have control over the cost. We won't. This thing is going to swell and it's going to be what it is. And people will make all these like extraordinary and convoluted arguments about what well, we did a uh, an econometric examination. And what we found was that by three to one, the money came back to the city. OK, whatever. And I don't hate football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. I'm just saying you're never 
never going to come out ahead, and the bill, the bill is always going to be bigger than promised. Yeah, I could find lots of articles this morning that said, oh, it's going to bring in this much, and estimates are it'll be this much value to the city. Here's what I couldn't find. The actual economic study, I want to read it. I want to see how they say that the, this will happen, because this is the kind of thing I think will, they will do. When it's all over, they will say, well, look, we had this many hotel rooms booked, and the tax came off of that. Those hotels would be 80 uh, 80% booked anyway, based on history. So you can't count at least 80% of that as economic development. It's going to be a big boondoggle, and they will lie to you about how uh, how much benefit came in. Toronto drivers could face hefty fines for blocking the box, driving into an intersection before you know that you're going to get to the other side, and then ending up stuck in it, and cross-traffic can't get through. Uh, Scott Reed, this is one of those things that drives most motorists out of their minds. And if we can find a way to put a lid on it, it would speed things up in the downtown. Frontier justice is my answer. I don't think the fine will do the trick. These people that drive in the middle of the intersection under the notion, under the, like, they have no geometrical uh, brain whatsoever. Like they can't foresee that they're going to be trapped there. They don't care about everybody else. It's only about them. I just, there's nothing that drives me more bananas than when this occurs. And I'm sitting behind that person. It just, oh, it's galling. And, you know, I'm normally like, like, you know what? Leave those fines. Get off my ass, all you parking people. But in this case, I say slam them as hard as possible. $260 is not enough? Not enough. Okay. Not enough. That's the proposed amount. I think, I think they should take their windows out of their car. That's my solution. You have to drive Shoot around the for tires. the rest of the winter with no windows. Help yourself to that. I hope it's nice and frosty for you. Then maybe you'll learn your lesson. Although, Deb Hutton, it is vexing when somebody does this, but it is somewhat delicious to look at the face of somebody who's blocking the box because they usually have their head bowed in shame. <laughs> I don't care because not always. I, when we hang up today at eight o'clock, I will walk my daughter to school as I do every day. And it's not the downtown core, it's Young and Lawrence. And every day when we cross at the cross light just north of Lawrence on Young, someone, even as the light is turning red, will enter the intersection and block my nine-year-old from walking across the crosswalk. It is everywhere, and it is not by accident. And people who do that when the light turns red and see uh, the two of us standing on the curb along with other little kids know damn well what they're doing. I am with Scott. I'm not so big on the windows being taken out for winter, <laughs> but... 260 is not nearly enough. And if you get that pain time and time again, maybe you'll stop the behavior. I think the 260 is not enough and neither is taking out the windows. I mean, it, it, it's just uh, the, the place that I encounter this if I go home later in the afternoon is front and Spadina. I mean, I think there needs to be a cop there actually during uh, rush hour to direct the traffic because the lights aren't getting it done. People just it, it it's they don't. The thing you talked about, Scott. The option that you gave, it's they don't give a damn about everybody else. That's what it is. Yeah. And the fine they're looking at, actually, I am just I went back into the coverage. It's uh, currently $90. They're looking at 450 or even 500 Is Is that and the windows good enough? The windows is a necessary part. I just want to add to Jerry's specific example of driving at front and Spadina. I'd seriously try to drive. I'd rather try to drive through the desert in Mad Max Fury Road. Like, it is just, that is the worst place in the entire city. And all that Banana Rama with the transit thing there, and you find yourself in the tunnel, and suddenly you can't get your car out. 
out and you've I, I, increasingly I just don't want to bring my car south of Bloor. Mayors are concerned and not just the mayor of Toronto, mayors all over Ontario are concerned Justin Trudeau is not actually going to deliver long-term infrastructure money in the 2024 budget. Uh, that would be quite the disappointment, Deb. Uh, yeah, but I mean, is anybody surprised? I mean, we, we also had an environment minister, no matter how much he backtracked or, or redefined his comment, who said, we're not going to be doing big infrastructure roads anymore. That's not what we're about. I don't think they've actually ponied up. If they're not about roads and they should be about transit, which was his point, I don't think they've actually ponied up for the four uh, agreed by all three level projects of transit here in uh, the GTA. Like, they spend like drunken sailors, to use a very old phrase. I feel now old having said that, but they do. And then they don't spend on a lot of really important, lasting things. Well, and the sailors, it's, it's ridiculous. The sailors, by the way, Deb, spend their own money. No, okay. There you go, Jerry, an even older reference. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, all we need is a park bench <laughs> and some pigeons. Okay. We can't afford it. <laughs> Scott Reed, your thoughts. Well, let's just take one step back. Um, first of all, we'll see what they put in the budget. If they don't put it in the budget, they'll have some sort of framework going for the... You know, but they're spending at historic levels on infrastructure, and that's not a defense of them, what I'm saying is. Like, people sit around and bitch and moan about how this government is out of control spending, except for all the things that they want the government to spend on. So they're not spending enough on housing, they're not spending enough on infrastructure, they're not spending enough on mental health, they're not spending enough on health care, and on and on and on it goes. All I'm saying is lots of fun being in office when everybody says quit spending except for the thing that I, oh, 2% for NATO. That's it. Let's double our defense budget from $26 billion to uh, $70 billion a year. Let's do that. Like it's, you know, man, the demands run in excess of the supply. Okay. First of all, the NATO thing is an obligation where we failed to it's, meet it's under not, various it's premises. Not, it's not an obligation, Jerry. That's not true. Okay. Like, where's we'll the contract? A coattail on uh, everybody else, which is what we've been doing. And uh, and you, you would be right, Scott, if the Prime Minister had not promised that by last fall he would have a program in place. Jerry, there is a program. That's not right. What he said yes, was... Yes, it is. No, it is not. What he said was we will have a pro, We will have a plan for a new infrastructure framework going forward. It's already in place to 2028, actually. The problem is that it's oversubscribed. There's so much demand on a municipal level, and our infrastructure was allowed to crumble for 30 years. And so that that's what's going on. So it's not a plan for now, right? There is funding that's in excess of what was promised in 2015. It's what are we going to do going forward, or how do we meet the excessive demand on the current program? Okay, he literally made the announcement uh, about a year ago that by fall, which would have been last fall, uh, we, we will have this program, especially for housing he was talking about. It didn't happen. People in British Columbia are being told to no longer describe people who live in British Columbia as British Columbians because that would make indigenous people feel left out. They're not. What? This is garbage, trolling crap by National Post. They find some report, okay? Now, I, I admit, it's silly, but they find this thing that's a draft somewhere, then they light it up as a headline story. Get everybody, oh my God, there they are. They're canceling our ability to say this, and they're doing that. This is just like internet trolling stuff. And, it, you know, there's no suggestion that the British Columbian government is actually going to outlaw the phrase British Columbians. It's all just hyperventilating. 
let's put it out on the headline, then put it onto the internet box, then Jordan Peterson can weigh in and go hysterical, and all the lunatics will like thump their feet against the wall. Come on, this okay. is just but boring. It is, it is contained in a guide that was prepared for civil servants. That's yeah. a draft that's unaccepted. And it's like, ooh, let's like be on the hunt for these things all the time so we can always feed the outrage machine. <laughs> Scott, they've got a team in British Columbia who is going through, uh, you know, over 100 plus years of legislation and codes to identify gender specific words to change them. That. Uh, unless it's a complete made-up lie, which I guess is possible, that part is true. Okay. I wish they'd just, I mean, realize it's not a provincial responsibility, but, you know, clean the water, take away the garbage, and let's have it on. Yeah, don't let the nuts frame the debate would be my response. Thank you very much, Jerry Agar, Deb Hutton, and Scott Reed on round one. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.